When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Second down, team. Brandon Allen, good block by Wilkinson, going deep, and he's got Sutton downfield. He beats Rose once again. Put him inside the 32, near the 31 of Minnesota. Completion of 43. A very blunt Kevin Harlan there. If you do not know this already, because it broke on Twitter about seven minutes ago, so I just assume everyone in the entire world knows it. But if you don't know, the Minnesota Vikings just announced that they have released Xavier Rhodes and Linval Joseph creating $19 million in cap space. Myron Metcalf, VSPN, we're rich. We've got tons of cap space. <laughs> now how do you want to spend it all? Let's go out of the free agent market next week and just throw cash at people. Yeah, I mean, I would have a money machine, personally. I mean, that's how I would do it. <laughs> a cap they plan to do space it. machine. Yeah, is and basically what it is. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So just cap space everywhere. You can go get whoever you want. Get the top corner on the market. Get uh, you know the top pass rusher. So you want an expensive backup quarterback? Just go get them. You've got all sorts of space now. Or the Vikings could possibly maybe afford a couple of their own free agents to bring them back. Uh, let's get to that in a minute. How they will spend their nineteen million dollars. But uh, Rhodes and Joseph being released seemed like about the most inevitable things that could happen in this NFL offseason for the Vikings. No, definitely. And I think you had to find space somewhere. We all knew that. And then to do it uh, with the expected moves, I mean, this isn't uh, anything that people didn't anticipate. But to your point, I wonder how they spend it. You know, you feel like you have to start with the Everson Griffin question, right? Uh, what do you do there? You opt out of his deal, became a free agent. If you lose Rhodes, who obviously didn't do – uh, what he was expected to do, and uh, you know his skills diminished over time. You got to put somebody there. You know your secondary clearly needs help. So I'm curious, Kyler, what's the shopping list? What's the first item on that shopping list uh, for Mike Zimmer and the boys as they go in free agency? Well, let me read you a tweet from Mike Clay of ESPN that encapsulates what their biggest need is in my mind. Uh, this is the Vikings defensive backfield. I'm going to leave out the guy I've never heard of that I assume is someone they signed from the CFL when we were covering the playoffs. Uh, Mike Hughes, Holton Hill, Chris Boyd, Nate Metters, 
Uh, and Mark Fields, who I think is still on the team. They traded for him at some point, but don't worry about that one. And Harrison Smith. So essentially, Mike Hughes, Holton Hill, Chris Boyd, and Harrison Smith are the only people who have played in NFL games that are on the secondary. I think Nate Matters may have been in for two snaps at some point. I mean, this right there is the number one A top priority in free agency is figuring out a way to fill out the secondary, whether that's throwing a bunch of money at Anthony Harris, which seems extremely unlikely, trying to sign a top free agent corner or trying to get a couple of veteran corners to bring in here, trying to bring back Mackenzie Alexander or Trey Wayans. The options are aplenty, but the cap space is still not after what they did today. Yeah, you're still looking at... You got enough room to maybe get some some extra fruit, uh, some extra hot dogs, but the main <laughs> thing you need, uh, you're, you're kind of stuck because of the thing we talk about every week. I feel like in the Kirk Cousins deal. I mean, this is kind of what it does. It, it puts you in a position where you don't have as much to spend on the side of the ball where Mike Zimmer is really the expert, right? That's kind of what he loves to coach. Not kind of he loves to coach defense. So you're not giving him a lot uh, to work with, which. The cycle continues, I feel like. College just puts more pressure on Kirk Cousins to live up to his contract because you're not having as much money to spend. So you have to be excellent at that position, at that price, at that cap hit, uh, because you can get better in that secondary with $19 million, was 18.6 or something like that. Yep. Um, but I don't know that you can get great with that. Like I don't know who you bring in that all of a sudden changes everything uh, at that position so or in the secondary which puts the Vikings in a situation where you're still largely, I would imagine, looking at a similar roster, right, Colin? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that you just don't have enough to spend in one spot where you could go all in on someone like Byron Jones and try to fix it with one player. Or it's really an all-in move to even try to bring back Anthony Harris. And depending on what anyone else would be willing to pay Everson Griffin, one of those players that would be a top player at their position that you could fill in there is taking up more than half of the space that they just created by cutting two players. So in a way, um, if Everson Griffin is not really cheap, he's probably going to end up somewhere else. I saw that our buddy Ben Gessling from the Star Tribune reported that there are other teams that would make sense for him. The Buffalo Bills have a rookie quarterback contract, the Seattle Seahawks that had a bunch of cap space come open, and there's the Pete Carroll connection there. So that one's not a guarantee that someone wouldn't say, Hey, Everson Griffin, I'm going to give you 12 million bucks to show up here. And I don't think the Vikings can match that. So now, even with all of the space that they just made in order to fill out the secondary to where you feel confident in it, which I'm not even sure is actually possible with the amount of money that they have. But if you were trying to do that, you almost have to go the old Terrence Newman route and look at someone who's a veteran who's been around a long time, and you just hope that there's enough there that you can scheme them to be average or a little above average. Jonathan Joseph got released uh, by the Houston Texas. He's uh, a guy who used to work with Mike Zimmer in Cincinnati that they might consider, but not having a nickel corner at all if Mackenzie Alexander doesn't return is kind of a problem. And uh, yeah, outside corners, if you want them in free agency, if they're any good, are very expensive. And the same goes for edge rushers. Joseph can be replaced. You can find someone else to play nose tackle at a reasonable price, couple million bucks, or the guys that you've been developing on the defensive line, 
But replacing Everson Griffin, who had 66 quarterback pressures last year, which was still in the top 15 among edge rushers in the NFL, and replacing an average corner in Trey Waynes in what used to be an elite corner in Xavier Rhodes and an elite safety, at least by his performance last year, in Anthony Harris, it's really hard to believe that you could just plug in these spots with a few million bucks here or there. And I agree that it all circles back to... What is your offense going to do to make up the difference? Because even when you struggled at times last year on defense and you weren't perfect, they ranked fifth in points allowed. So your defense was still putting you in positions regularly to win games. Next year, unless Mike Zimmer is really a wizard or they draft somebody, and, and this can always happen, where you draft somebody that's a major impact player right away, it's hard to see them being a great defense. They could probably be a good to decent defense with Harrison Smith and Daniil Hunter's still there, but great is hard to see. So it goes back to, well, should you be spending this cap space on an overpaid, mediocre corner? Or should you just try to deal with what you have and spend some money on a left guard and make sure you're protecting your quarterback better? Yeah, because offensively, you're going to have to overcompensate uh, if that defense isn't the same. I mean, already we watched what happened when Joseph and Rose both took a step back. Um, a lot of injuries in, in the secondary. But you mentioned something that I think is important, and it's important not to overlook it, right? Uh, you've got to draft an impact player. I mean, this isn't a year where you can get someone who's just going to hang around and develop. You don't have that time. If you're Mike Zimmer, you have to be great, I feel like, in this draft and find that guy. Like, find someone who can either boost that secondary or if you're going to get rid of Griffin as well, uh, who can come in and boost that D-line. Like, that to me is so important for this team. And the draft, I think, I mean, the NFL draft, as you know, Kyle, is the most complicated draft in all the sports. It's impossible to understand, you know, how you get a guy who is in a sixth round, fifth round, and he emerges and he becomes this great talent. And the first round guy with all the talent on paper uh, ends up being a bust. It's a really difficult evaluation process, but you have to be good at it. I feel like we always miss this part of, of coaching and evaluation. Yes, you're coaching in these 16 games, trying to get to playoffs, trying to win a Super Bowl. That matters. But this evaluation period right now between free agency and the draft, that's where you really have to be great. I mean, that's where you need a great GM who can identify that talent so that when you don't have a ton of cap space, someone comes in and they make a difference. Because if you don't do that, the same Vikings team, to me, ends up in the same situation. Fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, maybe winning a game, maybe not. But with the defensive challenges, potentially, if the offense doesn't step up, now maybe it's even worse than that. Maybe you take a step back to Kirk Cousins' first year and you're not even a playoff team. I mean, these are all things that are going to cost a lot of people their jobs a year from now if they don't get it right. So the way I look at it with the draft, and Rick Spielman said that after free agency, they'll be looking at the draft to fill spots. And anytime a general manager is saying, looking to the draft to fill spots, you should be nervous because it's a hard thing to ask for first-year players, even if they turn out to be good. Usually it takes a couple years, and you don't have to look far. Look to last year. Garrett Bradbury might become a Pro Bowl center. I have no idea if he will. 
It certainly has potential and skill to be drafted in the first round to be a Pro Bowl center. He sure as hell wasn't last year. He was overwhelmed last year, as most offensive linemen when they're rookies are. And it it usually takes a couple years, two, three, even four years before somebody uh, reaches their peak at, at the offensive line spot. So if you're thinking, oh, we'll just draft a left tackle and throw him in there and cut Riley Reef," well, yeah, there's no guarantee that that guy's going to be good. Last year, Andre Dillard was, uh, well, I mean, even Jonah Williams was the top-drafted left tackle. He got hurt right away, didn't play yeah. a single down. And then Andre Dillard was the second-drafted left tackle, and he was horrendous for the Philadelphia Eagles. And again, a guy who might become good, but he certainly wasn't in his first year. If you're trying to fill the safety position next to Harrison Smith, that person has to quickly adapt to be able to play with Harrison Smith. The cornerbacks have to learn all new rules if they're going to fill those positions. And edge rushers usually have a really tough time beating NFL left tackles after going up against some of the competition that they faced in college. And let's but they don't have a choice, though, right? I mean, at this point, you don't have a choice potentially if you don't have the cap space. Like that's you are stuck in that position. It's not a great position to be in. I would agree in trying to kind of reboot from the draft. But what are the options, right? I mean, you're going into free agency. You know, you know, you know, you are in free agency. Like you're the dude in the club looking up at VIP and all the guys <laughs> ordering bottles and having fun. And you're right there, you know, with your little two for one coupon. Like that's who you are <laughs> if you're the Minnesota Vikings right now. So you can't ball out. You, you can't be a big spender. And you know that. So you have to identify. And I'm not saying that person even exists. I'm not saying this draft, you're going to find those guys. But to me, Kyler, if they don't, you're going to get guys fired. Like, to me, this is your job. If you're Spillman right now, you have to figure that out because I don't think you keep your job if you don't. Seems like to me that you were speaking from experience there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've definitely the, been the guy the like, oh, situation. no, I can't get Oh, I'm not in VIP. You're right. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'll go back down to the regular folks where I belong. Yeah, that's definitely. I've been there. But you're right. And I think in this case, you have to be better lucky than good when it comes to the draft because – Any study that's ever been done on the draft finds that there's no team that just consistently nails it. And even the Patriots that are considered the smartest team in the world, they blow it all the time. Their first-round pick, Nikhil Harry, last year was awful and did nothing to benefit their team and help Tom Brady because they're usually drafting toward the bottom. Well, guess where the Vikings are? 25th. And if you're asking guys to step in right away as the 25th pick, I mean, so I'm looking back at their first-round draft picks and how much impact they made right away. Uh, since Mike Zimmer got here. No surprise that a guy drafted in the top 10, Anthony Barr, did have a pretty big impact right away. Stepped in, was a starter, was very good. Trey Waynes took a couple of years before he could play. And uh, even the other guys who were great in that 2015 draft, Kendricks, Hunter, and Stephon Diggs, it was only really Diggs who made a huge impact in his first year, and that was all-time randomness when a fifth-round pick becomes a star receiver almost right away, and he still didn't play in the first three games that year. Treadwell made zero impact right away. Uh, Alexander, zero impact. Basically, that whole 2016 draft, nobody helped whatsoever. 2017, Delvin Cook gets hurt. Pat Elfline is a below-average center. Nobody else makes any impact. Mike Hughes gets hurt. O'Neal is a below-average right tackle his first year. Last year, very good. And then Irv Smith, pretty good. 36 catches. Definitely not blowing you away, and Alexander Madison was reasonably helpful. So if you're asking for this rookie class to fill spots, recent history to me says don't count on it with the 25th overall pick. Definitely don't count on it, but I also don't know where else you go. Because to me, 
spending all that cap space and not getting an above-average talent or not getting anyone who's really going to boost that secondary or that defensive line, you might as well go with young talent. Like, like what's the – I mean, you're a PFF guy and you understand the analytics. I mean, what is the difference between that young, cheap cornerback – uh, who maybe has a steep learning curve, and that guy who maybe is right there slightly above average to average and is overpaid. Like that, to me, there's not that huge of a gap between those yeah. guys. Yep. So so why not develop young talent? So I think I understand the idea that you don't want to be in this position and that the odds are against you. But I also think when you sign Kurt Cousins to an $84 million guaranteed, and it would seem that you might extend him and give him even more money this is going to be the reality, which is why NFL franchises, if you're going to spend big money on a quarterback, he has to be great. All the teams suffering right now in the NFL who have quarterbacks locked in multi-year deals, their quarterbacks just aren't good enough, right? Because you're paying that person so much money and you can't fill in around them. And they're not good enough to overcompensate uh, for the things that you don't have. But you can pay a Russell Wilson. Uh, you can pay some of the big-name quarterbacks around the NFL because you know with that guy as your leader, you're going to win a lot of games. The Vikings are in the opposite situation. You paid like you had that elite quarterback, and now you are seeing the ramifications of this decision that you made. The bottom line is, Kyler, we can say whatever we want about the draft, about free agency. Is there a path to the Vikings getting better as a result of the draft or free agency? Mm. And at, right now it seems like the answer is no. Not getting significantly better. I think there's a better chance they get worse. I would think. What we have to ask is how good were the guys that they're going to lose? So how much were they worth? Now you can use Pro Football Focus is as a way to do this. They have kind of a wins above replacement statistic, but let's try to do it just kind of on our perception of these players. So you're having to replace if Everson Griffin does not stay. I'm skeptical on whether he will. If he doesn't, if he doesn't sign a very reasonable contract with the Vikings, you have to replace. 66 pressures off the edge. That's really hard to do. <laughs> that is yeah. that is difficult. I don't think Afadi Adenabo is anywhere in the ballpark of Everson Griffin, even though I like him. And I, I think he was a, a good player for them last year. Made some plays out there in Los Angeles. He changes the game with a re- return fumble for touchdown, and he gets seven sacks. But it, or if you're asking him to go... Every single play up against NFL left tackles, can he get 66 pressures and eight sacks? I'm not sure that he can. Plus, drawing the attention, which I asked someone from PFF, is this a real thing? Because they always talk about the attention that Griffin draws from other teams, and it is. That he does take attention away from Daniil Hunter. You can't double-team both, and Griffin gets slightly more double-teams and chips and things like that than Daniil Hunter does. So it might impact Daniil Hunter as well. So if you lose him... That's hard to replace. You can't just sign a guy for $4 million off the free agent market or bring back Stephen Weatherly, and you're going to get the same level of play. At the cornerback position, that's where I think that the two guys are replaceable. Uh, Trey Waynes was a mid-pack corner, and Xavier Rhodes was the one of the worst corners in the NFL last year. So even just playing Mike Hughes instead of Xavier Rhodes, you have an upgrade. But at the other side, average is actually good, though. So you have to find average on the free agent market for pretty cheap. The one that's going to be really hard to replace if he leaves is Anthony Harris. Yeah, NFL leader in interceptions and uh, one of the top-rated PFF safeties over the last two years. I don't think that anybody can just step in and play at that type of level. Like Anderson Dayhill, when he was in, was okay. But it was not uh, 
Pro Bowl caliber when he was there. So you lose those guys. And then a nose tackle that's been one of the centers of your defensive attack for quite a long time. you got to replace him, too, which I think you can replace him for a couple of million dollars. But now you're looking at you know four spots of good players, or at worst average in, in Trey Wayne's case, that you have to replace with very, very little money and then... Very little draft capital, to be honest. You don't have a top 10 pick. You don't have two first-round picks or, or something like that. It's, it's really hard to see them having as much talent on the defensive side next year. And then what does that all mean? That means you go into year three, perhaps with an extended quarterback, making, what, $33 million or something like that a year on average, 32 33 I would imagine Kirk Cousins would be looking at if he gets an extension, knowing that, you're going to run into the same cap space issues for the foreseeable future, and you just feel stuck, right? Like, the, the challenge is, I thought going forward from 2017, Kyle, we'd go, okay, more and more we're going to feel like this team is is a contender. 2017 felt like the start of something, right? Whether or not you believed in Case Keenum or you thought Kirk Cousins coming aboard would or would not change things, it felt like the beginning of a window. We might look back at 2017 and go, oh, it's never going to get better than that. Like, you're never going to get a better situation like that, even though you've upgraded at quarterback, even though you spent all this money at that position, you're still in a similar spot. Um, and I think that has to be frustrating for Vikings fans, that all these other teams, you mentioned Seattle. I mean, they're the ones in VIP and all the cap space that they've uh, created. You have mm-hmm. a number of teams that are spending big money because they have it, whereas the Vikings are in that weird middle place, right? That weird place yep. where you don't have a ton of money to spend, but you really wish you did because there are clear positions where you need to upgrade if you lose a Griffin, uh, if you lose some of the other talent on that defensive end. Well, And I think from a Viking fan perspective, I'm not sure that Vikings fans really have it fully realized how much they're losing and how hard this is to replace and kind of where you would be projected right now because of all the talent that you're losing, which in my mind is like an 8-8 eight and eight team. It's hard to see them being that much better unless they followed one particular path, which I think I have, Myron. Do you know what that is? What is it? It's just to take all this money and put it into offense. It's the only chance you have, in my mind, not that I believe that this is what's going to happen, but it's the only chance in my mind that you have to be a really good team next year to win the NFC North is instead of spending this cap space to try and fill these spots and scramble and get this free agent corner that's probably been let go for a reason and spend a bunch of money to fill the nose tackle spot and and bring back Everson Griffin. I think it's entirely you should be trying to get the most out of the final year of Kirk Cousins. So if that means upgrading left tackle somehow, if that means spending a lot on a left guard who's your best player, if it means drafting in the first round a number 3 wide receiver, I think that should be the plan. And just try to do whatever you can with the player you've you've developed to put into these other positions. I know that they don't have a safety who they've developed outside of J. Ron Curse, who's probably not coming back, but you have Holton Hill, you have Mike Hughes, you have these other defensive ends. If you bring back Stephen Weatherly, like I, I think you could just try to kind of hang on for dear life on defense and be a top five offense. And last year in their passing game, in terms of expected points added, which I think tells the true story of the efficiency of a passing game, the Vikings were ninth. Number one was Kansas City, number four was San Francisco. And this follows all the way back to uh, the 2015 year that was kind of random where um, 
you know, Peyton Manning, old ass Peyton Manning makes the Super Bowl. Every Super Bowl team since has been a top five passing offense in expected points added. That to me is the way to get there and and be just good enough on defense with Harrison Smith and Daniil Hunter and you know the Eric Hendricks and the talent that you have now. But how long we've been having that conversation, though, Collar? Like everything that you just said demands that your quarterback is elite uh, more oftentimes than he's not, right? Like that to me is the challenge. Like I agree, if you could just plug someone in and go get some great receiver uh, and, and uh, boost that core, or if you get a left guard who turns out to be pretty good, you look at what a guy like you know a Quentin Nelson did uh, on that offensive line for the Indianapolis Colts, and you get the right person that can change things. But all of that depends on. Your quarterback having the ability to capitalize on whatever it is you give him. Do you trust that? I mean, do you trust that he's automatically that much better because you fill in at left guard or you grab that other receiver? I don't know if anyone believes that. It's like we're asking the same doggone questions for three years in a row, man. We're asking the same exact questions about the same player, about the same situation. At some point, you just get frustrated, right? And you just don't believe in any of it. You don't believe that the Vikings are going to do the right thing with this $19 million in cap space. You don't believe they're going to hit a home run in the NFL draft. And you don't believe that they're going to find a way to get better. And I think that is what they've done to themselves. Because you promised a window to win a Super Bowl, and now here we are. Trying to figure out if we can take a dollar and fifty nine cents on the open market and get better somehow, and, and I don't understand. You know, for me personally, I believe it when I see it, but I don't know that they can take that cap space or do something great in the draft. Although I think they have to, if Spillman wants to keep his job, to change the fortunes of this franchise. And it starts with and it ends with one concept: no matter what you give Kirk Cousins in adverse situations. He's not someone you trust. Mm -hmm. And I think that, to me, at the end of the day, is where you're always going to come back to. If that's your quarterback, I don't care what you put around him. I think you're going to be in a similar situation. All right, there is a player who would be a major difference maker that a team is trying to trade for a second-round pick. Want to discuss that when we return? The Vikings release Xavier Rhodes and Linval Joseph. They create $18.6 about million dollars in cap space. How should you spend it? Matthew Collar, ESPN's Meyer and Metcalf. We'll be right back here on Purple Daily. Hey, Score North listeners. It's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need when you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears, maybe not your blood, but whatever. Like you built a company and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover, if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. You are listening to Score North on AM1500 and the free Score North mobile app. Plenty of coronavirus-related cancellations, not just locally but nationally as well. The most recent are the Minnesota State High School League canceling the boys' and girls' basketball tournaments effective immediately. And then the Masters has also been postponed towards later in the summer. For a complete list, please visit scorenorth.com. We have a full list of all the sports cancellations and postponements over at scorenorth.com. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. All right, so let me ask you this, Myron. You were worked up last segment. Uh, let's say I gave you $18.6 million of cap space, and you can spend it any way you want to. 
Oh, I thought you didn't give me just eighteen million dollars. Period. Uh, well, you know that's uh, not as fun. That's what we were getting paid pre-coronavirus sports radio, yeah. but you know now it's, we'll find it's out. Gonna struggle, um, <clears throat> at least not for the Purple Daily Show, which. Uh, my friend Matthew Corey, who has come on the station a handful of times, a baseball writer, he tweeted, you know, baseball reporters, uh-oh, hockey reporters, uh-oh, basketball reporters, uh-oh, football reporters, back up left guards! And like, yeah. that's right, man, that is us. Um, but now, going along the lines that you were thinking about how no matter what you do here, whether you give them more weapons or whether you fill out the defense or bring in Don Capers or whatever, Dom Capers, um, yeah. no, matter what, no matter what you do, that you're kind of going to be in the same place, which is sort of like uh, we might need a sounder. You know how we have the Courtney R. Draft Scout of like Nihilist Myron. It's just like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Nothing you do matters. Um, <laughs> it's like coronavirus has made you now see it as just, it's just sports people. Like, who cares about cap space? Um, but uh, let's say that there was a path, though, because I, I tend to think that there is. Now, I don't believe in Kirk Cousins as a Super Bowl quarterback, but I do believe the NFC has a shortage of them. And so someone will make the Super Bowl. Someone will make the NFC Championship. And while Kirk is not the number one guy I'd pick, he's also not the last guy I'd pick either. And I think your only chance is to take this cap space and spend it on offense, on your offensive line, to to fill it out, to protect Cousins better, to give yourself a shot, to draft a weapon who can step in right away. That's the way I'm looking at this. Um, But if it was you, what would you do with it? Uh, well, to me, again, the, the the defensive line. If you lose Griffin, I think that's a that's a major thing. I think you would try to spin there. I guess for me, if I'm going to go young uh, and trying to find some help in my secondary in, in the draft, uh, I would try to go that route. Um, but but I don't know if that's a sure thing. Now, left guard, I don't know what you can afford. If you told me you had a guarantee that this would be a guy who would dramatically overhaul the offensive line. Uh, and suddenly Kirk Cousins is a more comfortable quarterback. I, I would consider that as well. But I do think that Mike Zimmer's staple is always going to be what he does defensively. And we know that there are certain teams, looking at you, Kansas City, where you go offensively, they're going to make up for some of the mistakes that happen on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but I think this team is the opposite of that. I think defense will always have to – clean up. And I don't think that's just a Kirk Cousins isn't good enough thing. I think most defenses are in a situation like that uh, unless you have a truly uh, elite quarterback who just continuously bails you out. So with that regard to me, I'm strengthening that side of the ball because I think Kirk Cousins has a lot already, right? I think they have a lot on that end of the floor, on that side of the ball already, uh, and they've proven that. They weren't as healthy last year. Adam Thielen gets hurt. But if they're healthy, I don't know how much more you can give uh, a Kirk Cousins, which is why for me, I'm investing on that defensive line, especially with some of the losses. Uh, if that's the situation I'm in, if I get the 18 million. By the way, I I heard you there, basketball reporter. What I do? You you almost said that side of the floor. Yeah, I did. That I almost side. did that. You heard it. I almost said that side of the floor. No NCAA, buddy. No. Shift your brain right. to no. the cap, okay? It's over, man. Salary cap. You're gonna March Madness for real. Do, man. We, do I need to draft sim right now? I. I think I yeah. might need to draft Sim just for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you before may. we draft Sim, uh, Washington wants a second-round pick for Trent Williams. And, of course, he wants a contract extension. 
Would yeah. you be interested Ooh. in trading a second for Trent Williams and then giving him a contract extension that would lower his current cap hit, but of course, down the road, make it preposterous? So going into the season, like what what was the holdout about? It was the idea that they missed, they didn't treat him properly. Was that what it was about? Like he thought that they, um, they he didn't they, trust the trainers. Yeah, yeah. So he, it turned out, had cancer and they missed it. Uh, his oh. his team doctors, and so he's got it treated and he's fine because they found it. And uh, since then, he hasn't really trusted them. And my understanding is he's not the only player in D.C. that didn't trust their trainers. I think it was one of the first things Ron Rivera did when he got there was gave them the boot. Yeah, okay. So that was Uh, the issue. I mean, the talent is undeniable, right? Um, So would you give him up for, uh, would you give a second-round pick and then you sign him to a deal and then he's sort of the staple of that offensive line? You'd have to consider it. But I also don't know if that changes things dramatically if Kirk Cousins makes the same choices and maneuvers in adverse situations, right? So is is when you think about like adding that left guard or sprucing up that offensive line, Kyler, is it you give him more time and automatically he's better? How, how do you view that? I have a tough time believing that no matter who you have, He's going to be truly great. As in, you go into a playoff game in San Francisco and you think, who cares if we're on the road? Who cares if they have a great defense? You can win this game. Uh, Instead, you think, boy, let's see which version of Kirk Cousins shows up and against top defenses he probably doesn't. I, I don't think that that changes because you have Trent Williams. I do know that last year when Kirk Cousins was kept clean, so he was not pressured at all, He was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL last season. He had a quarterback rating of 118.1 when he was not pressured. 19 touchdowns, 5 picks, and an adjusted completion percentage, adjusted for throwaways, of 83%. So he was a terrific quarterback when he was kept clean. Now, they did have an easier schedule. They didn't place a lot of elite defenses. And when they did, they struggled, even when he was kept clean or whether he was pressured or not. But Trent Williams, assuming that he's healthy, which is an assumption you have to make, he has had injuries in his past. definitely had some injuries. But even if he plays 12 games for you, is a massive upgrade over Riley Reef. Riley Reef is a below-average pass blocker at best. Trent Williams is one of the best pass blockers, I think, in NFL history, in his prime, and probably now still well above average if he follows the path of a Jason Peters or of an Andrew Whitworth, these older elite left tackles. I do think that that's a big difference maker. I don't think that it changes the entire thing, but it would be under the category of all the chips to the middle of the table on Kirk. Maybe we're not re-signing him. Maybe we are. I don't know. But can you try to win with him on the third year of this deal that you went all in on? Why don't we give him every single opportunity on this earth to do it? So there is no excuses left at the end of the day. And that would be trading a second-round pick for Trent Williams. But if you make that decision and you know he wants a new deal, I mean, that's been his big thing, then you would think there would be a correlation between that and then giving Kirk Cousins an extension, right? Like, to me, if you get a Trent Williams, you're not saying, let's see what happens with Kirk. You're saying, no, this is what we have. And we're going to invest in the long-term, potential long-term viability uh, of this quarterback. So then it becomes... What are you going to do if you continue to run into similar cap space issues in the future? To, to me, 
you've got to make a decision. Do you trust enough that Kirk Cousins is that good uh, to lead you to multiple wins in the playoffs so you're willing to invest now to do whatever you have to do to make a better situation for him? Or are you not quite sure about that? And if you're not investing to me in someone like a Trent Williams and giving up a huge second-round pick, you have more questions uh, about that because they don't want to be here again. They don't want to be here with $19 million in cap space and not being 100% confident in the pieces they have on the chessboard. So that, to me, becomes a thing that Spillman has to figure out. Well, the way that you could look at it in terms of your argument for trading for Trent Williams would be that whatever your second-round pick is this year, what are the odds that over the next even four years they're going to be worth more than someone who is a seven-time Pro Bowler who, even though he missed last year, I think that actually might help him to come back completely healthy from a guy who had battled nicks and cuts for a long time. Kind of like how Richie Incognito came back from being away for a year two different times. It was still really good both times. I I would suspect that Trent Williams still knows how to play football. So let's say that he even fades in his final two years over the next four, but he gives you two great seasons, and then he's maybe just an above-average player after that. That would be like best-case scenario for someone that you draft in the second round, is that two out of the four seasons in their rookie deal, they're a top-notch player, a top-ten player at their position. Now, of course, there's the cap part of that, that at some point you're going to have to pay him $20 million a year, even if you lower things right away. But are you a 17-game believer? Because if they're going to play 17 games, then that salary cap is shooting up, and that changes everything. Then all of a sudden you feel like, well, if we're paying $20 million for a top 10 left tackle and we have a salary cap that's $300 million, we all of a sudden feel decent about that. So it might change the formula for teams on Trent Williams just based on whether they pass this CBA by what, Sunday night, yeah. right? So at least in my mind it would. I think it's also defensible even if you're not going to keep Kirk Cousins. Um I would suspect that they would be because whoever your next quarterback is then has an elite left tackle to start with. So let's say you do draft Jalen Hurts in the third round because you traded your second rounder for Trent Williams, and he's got to sit a year, and then he comes in next year. What's the big complaint about Jalen Hurts? He holds on to the ball too long. He's probably not going to completely change that when he goes to the NFL, but he can sure feel pretty darn good having Brian O'Neill and Trent Williams as his two tackles to start with. So even if you were going down that route, it still makes a lot of sense in my mind. Yeah, I guess for me, uh, you're not making a move unless you're extending Kirk Cousins. Like I, I don't think, I don't see them doing that, right? And you don't want to run into a situation, the, the Mitch Trubisky situation, right? Could this be that with the Bears where you go out and get a Khalil Mack who obviously does a lot of great things on that side of the ball, but you realize you're you're stuck with uh, a quarterback on a rookie deal who, who's not improving. And I think Jalen Hurts is a fascinating prospect, right? But I, st- I don't know how he translates to the next level. I would love for them to pick him and let's see. But the best scenario for Jalen Hurts is that he's got a veteran in front of him like a Kirk Cousins, and he's learning over time. Uh, and I think Kirk Cousins, to me, still is at least in the near term, the coming years, going to be the quarterback of this franchise, which is why you would consider someone like Trent Williams. I will push back on something you said, though. I don't know how much it helps him. Now, you think he's been off for a year. Uh, he's had some time to heal up. But he also has a history there where you go, 
this is the guy who's going from not playing to suddenly maybe being thrust into a 17-game season, to your point. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you wonder, what does that do to his body to kind of jump back into something like that? Because the last thing you want is a guy who doesn't play 12 or 13 games, but maybe plays six, right? Because that is the potential uh, with a guy at that position who already has a body that's beaten up. And you might look back at that and go, man, that price was it was too much mm-hmm. for what we ultimately got. It's the right price, 100%. He's a $20 million guy for what he can do. We all agree on that. But what you might get, I think that becomes uh, the question. And you're putting your life in your hands anytime you sign a player over 30 in general. But yeah. uh, offensive linemen who get overpaid in free agency, or in this case it would be a trade and a contract extension, it often blows up in teams' faces. Uh, you look at the Detroit Lions just released Rick Wagner. They were all excited two years ago when they paid out the nose for Rick Wagner to be their starting right tackle. Oh, this guy is going to make this offensive line great and all, and all that. He wasn't. He was bad. And, and the yeah. Vikings especially shredded him with uh, Daniil Hunter. Not that he's the first, but um, the Vikings didn't have any tougher of a time getting to Matt Stafford because Rick Wagner was there. And it usually is the case. Now, that's what makes Trent Williams a little different. It's usually the case if a team is letting go an offensive lineman, you should beware because there's probably a reason for it. Most teams, if they're great, they want to keep those linemen um, and pay them whatever they're worth. In this case, it's Trent Williams just demanding to get out of D.C and I don't blame him for that. But I, I guess you can look at it, Myron, through a bunch of different prisms and then sort of like a pick-your-own-adventure game where if, like you, if you go... It, yeah, it's fun. Um, and it's even more fun for NFL offseason. So if you were, say, looking at it through the prism of we are going all in with Kirk, then yeah. you're highly considering anything that gets you more talent on the offensive side. If you're thinking, eh, we don't believe in Kirk, so we better fill up this defense, then you're drafting a cornerback first, and you're spending some money for another corner, and you're trying to bring back Anthony Harris, and you're trying to bring back Everson Griffin. That's another adventure you can pick. And then another possible adventure is we're thinking about 2021. And then you draft BPA, best player available at 25, which I think is usually a great idea in the NFL draft. Whoever's the best guy on the board, just take him, no matter what position he plays, even if it's quarterback. Um, you know, so if you're thinking 2021 that you can't fill these spots right away and you don't believe that Kirk can ever get you there, then you're looking at the quarterbacks at 25 or the quarterbacks in the second round and trying to, to find your future left tackle who maybe you're not going to play next year. So there's a lot of different ways that you can look at it. And I have trouble thinking, Myron, that the Zimmer and Spielman and Dom Capers and Gary Kubiak crew is looking at this and saying, yeah, 2021, we're going to be great. Yeah. So what does yeah. that what does that mean, though, right? Because I think that's the, actually, out of all the ideas, that's the smartest one is to look at 2021. And figure out: Are you keeping Kirk? Are we playing seventeen games? How can we, re, you know, build all the spots that we lost? It's going to take two years. But convincing them to do it when they feel like they're on the hot seat, I think would be pretty difficult. I think it's impossible. I mean, you can't think of twenty twenty one if you're Spillman and Zimmer. I think ideally, but that to me is what complicates all of this. That's a very important question. Do you try to go all in now, or do you? Uh, wait to see what 2021 brings, but this isn't a, a group that has any time to wait. And then, to your point, if you beef up 
the offense and you say, let's just go all in there because that's our strength, you also run into the possibility that you just see the same, you know, much of what you've already seen. Like, we've been talking about the offense will lead the way for three years now, you know? So I don't know that anyone truly believes that, yeah, you add a Trent Williams, you add another receiver, and all of a sudden everything changes. Whereas defensively, that has been more, it's been consistent on some levels. And if you lose Griffin and you lose uh, some of the other pieces attached to that defensive unit, you wonder, is this an offense that can compensate for that? In many ways, overcompensate for that. And I think the answer is we don't know. And that seems to be the problem, I think, going into this offseason. And this is the problem with not having a bunch of cap space, right? Because if you have more cap space, we're not having this conversation. If you have more cap space, you can look at filling multiple positions. You can look at going out and getting multiple players who can change your team. I mean, Seattle, you brought them up earlier. Yeah, Seattle lost everybody. I mean, it was remarkable that they made it to the playoffs. They lost their starting running backs. Uh, defensive side of the ball went through a lot of things. It was basically Russell Wilson uh, and a bunch of other guys. Like no one really knows. But now they have all this cap space, and it feels like a Seattle team that was a playoff team, but also beat San Francisco, could emerge in twenty twenty as a team that's a real contender, yeah, a potential Super Bowl yep, team, depending on how they spend the money. Whereas the Vikings are in the opposite category, right? If they could spend, yeah, you could see them being like Seattle too, but they can't. And that's why you go, I don't know what happens to them in the NFC. The potential is there, but they're just not as capable of spending what other teams are spending right now to put themselves in a better position, and that's tough. Do you think that it buys Spielman and Zimmer any more time if they sign Cousins to an extension? If they, say they go into a meeting with the Wilfs and they say, look, last year was kind of our last shot with this group. Now this group is going to change, so you're going to have to give us a little bit of leeway here if we end up 9-7 and seven and miss the playoffs, because I still think they're a very talented team with two of the best receivers in the league, three of the best defensive players in the entire NFL, like a good coach. They're not a team that's going to go 5-11 and 11 next year. Yeah. So you go to ownership and you say, look, a realistic expectation for us is just to make the playoffs again and if we miss by a game you have to understand what we're trying to rebuild here and we should be able to sign cousins and then focus on the year or two after that as getting back to our potential super bowl window i mean i i I don't know if that does buy them more time or not or if it would buy you more time to blame cousins for losing the last two years or not getting deep deep into the playoffs and say well it was really that that the quarterback we signed he wasn't as good as we thought so uh, i don't know but maybe that gets you fired on the spot (laughs) like if he wasn't as good as you thought i don't don't know like what if you're if you own the team what do you want to hear from them because i think the last thing i would want to hear is Oh my God! This cornerback we draft better be good, <laughs> right? Like that's that's not what I want to hear. No, you, that's not the that doesn't make you comfortable going into a season. But I just you don't expect. I think when you go from 2017 to now, and you have a Kirk Cousins, you expect a sense of stability. So I think everything you're talking about, if your ownership, you don't feel like you have that, right? And you thought, I think, if your ownership, you would think at this point, you would have a sense of stability. And it still feels like they're searching for that to to some degree. I think it's one thing to go out and say, well, I mean, Xavier Rhodes, everybody knew 
that he wasn't coming back and, you know, approaching age 30, I think he's going to be 30 this year, wasn't the same guy, had clearly lost a step. You want to be in a position where you go, yeah, we got to replace him, but we don't need him. I mean, that position isn't going to necessarily change everything. We're so good everywhere else. And instead you're going, man, you better find someone who's pretty good uh, mm-hmm. to replace him. You better make sure that if McKenzie Alexander is coming back, you got a nickel corner, you could lose Griffin. Uh, it's all about just a lack of stability. I think that would be my overall concern. Great franchises can lose good players and they continue to roll along. Uh, it happens in the NFL. This isn't unique yeah. to the Minnesota Vikings, but great franchises also have a sense of stability that it feels like going into year three of Kirk Cousins' collar, the organization is still searching for that. And that's problematic for everybody involved. Coaches, GMs trying to hang on to their jobs. Everybody, I think, suffers when you don't have that. It does feel like they've been sort of teetering on the edge for a while now. That even after the end of 2018, or at least since 2017. So since 2017, the pressure was ramped way up after an outlier season. So the outlier season shades everything that you look at after that, even though you weren't, I'm not, I'm not going to say they weren't that good. They were good in 2017, a very, very good team. But in a lot of ways, things just fell into place that never you, you would have not expected to keep happening, right? Like everyone stayed healthy for the entire season and Thielen and Diggs were unbelievable. And here's a backup quarterback and, and a bunch of other quarterbacks in the NFL get hurt and all, all those things, right? You just wouldn't expect them to all fall into place again. But it yeah. seemed like that was what they set their expectation on. So over the past two years, you have a lot of tension with, are they sticking with the coach? Are they sticking with the general manager? Is one playoff win enough to change ownership's mind? And I, I wonder if you look at it this way, Myron, because I kind of do, that 2017 influenced a lot of decisions that they made that I think they would have been a little more shrewd or ruthless if they hadn't reached the NFC Championship game. And what I mean specifically is the two guys they just cut, they could have found ways to get rid of last year and mm-hmm. would have avoided mediocre, in Joseph's case, or terrible play yeah. in Rhodes's case that maybe gets you an extra win somewhere along the way. And you probably don't sign Anthony Barr to a deal that carries a $12.7 million cap hit this year and 15.5 in 2021. I don't think you do that. I so if you're evaluating them, it's not just on what they do this offseason and can they get you back on the right path uh, with your roster kind of falling apart. It's what did you do to get yourself here? And some of these deals or keeping players that were clearly falling off is pretty questionable. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about 2017 and reaching the NFC Championship game and feeling like you had a window, I mean, it's one play, right? I mean, one play changes how you mm-hmm. view yourself and, and how you decide to spin going into that next year. So, no, I, I agree, but here we are, right? Here's the situation. How do you get better? Because, Kyle, there's no scenario where somehow they take a step back and Zimmer and Spillman are still here in 2021, right? It doesn't seem like that. Not unless they buy into that as their complete team direction. Yeah, and that, and that becomes the challenge, right? Because if you have to go from – searching for stability that you don't find going into 2020, and now you change coaches, GMs, and now 2021, which is supposed to be maybe that breakout year, is just another year of instability. 
we're having the same conversations all over again. Like, how do you get to stability? Because to me, you cannot build yourself into a contender until you get to that place, and they're still looking for that. Let me ask you one more thing before uh, we leave and reconvene next week, Myron. You doing good? I mean, your thing, NCAA tournament, it's gone. (laughs) Are you all right? Hey, man, my life has always been bigger than the tournament, but it's weird. I've never been home right now. Like I, I, it's, I, so I don't know what to do about that. That it's a very weird situation and feeling, and I'm also looking for more hand sanitizer. It's all weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, all weird. It's, it's definitely weird. Well, I felt bad for you when that happened because that's you know your biggest time of year. You covered this crazy NCAA season, and there's so many great players on both the men's and women's side that um, are not getting to have their moments, their shining moments here in the tournament. So yeah, you know, but we are here for you. And uh, we have draft sims, we have salary cap analysis, and free agency next week. So we'll be good to go. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, I appreciate you as always, Myron. Thanks for your time, man. And uh, we've got a Zolgad coming up next along with Kevin Seifert from ESPN as well. He's going to talk about the mega preview of free agency on ESPN. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. You'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Kanem is sacked. Ball is out. Looked like he may have been down. Redskins got on top of it anyway, and it's Linval Joseph who gets the sack. And I think just like what would happen to most of us if Linval Joseph fell on us, that Keenum was hurt on that play. Well, Linval Joseph... A great Viking career, two-time Pro Bowler in Minnesota. Same with Xavier Rhodes, who you can call taking him in the first round. Of the three, the best pick, Sharif Floyd did not work out because of his injury. Cordero Patterson, they didn't know how to use him. And then when they finally did, they got rid of him right after that, mm-hmm. after uh, sort of figuring it out in 2016. And then he goes on and wins a Super Bowl with the Patriots. So the door is shut on the 2013 draft. And to discuss these matters and more pertaining to NFL free agency, our buddy Kevin Seifert from ESPN. What's up, Kevin? Not a whole lot. How are you guys? Oh, yeah. Well, what's great is that there's still a lot up for us. It's just everyone else in the sports world has nothing going on. So um, all of society's eyes are focused on this interview right now. So no pressure for you, Kevin. Yeah, that, it wasn't even a cliche answer. There really isn't a whole lot going on. <laughs> no, there's not. Especially your XFL beat, uh, RIP yeah. XFL. Uh, maybe we'll yeah. get to that later. Maybe not. Okay. Um, your reaction, though, if I were to give you uh, $18.6 million in cap space and you were the general manager of the Vikings, how would you spend that cap space? Uh, well, I would uh, hope that I would actually have more than that because I would think that um, I, this would be the first step in creating uh, more cap space than that. I mean, there are teams with 80-some million uh, many teams with 80 some million uh, in cap space right now. Um, you know, the Kirk Cousins extension decision, I think really probably moves to the top of the, uh, of the, uh, of the line for this team. But, um, in terms of players out there, like I, cause I don't think 18.6 million is necessarily enough to go on any kind of spending spree. And so you'd be looking at waiting until the second or third tier at least, um, before you start attacking it. But I think most people would agree that uh, the, the 
the secondary, specifically cornerback, um, after the Rhodes and potential Trey Wayne's departure, uh, is a very high priority. And in my mind, offensive line as well. And so those are the two places that, um, you know, they've had some success drafting, especially a cornerback, or at least they've, they've had some frequency there. But those are the two places I think that they're going to need to be looking, uh, in free agency once the, that first wave goes by. Do you see the Vikings, uh, making an early impact move, Kevin, because I've debated this, and I'm not quite sure. I'm sure that they are going to sign a few guys, and I'm sure that they are going to make moves. I don't know, though, if we see that uh, impact move that we've seen at times before where it's made on the first day and you say, wow. Yeah, I um, I don't think they're necessarily uh, – my, my overarching theory on salary cap has always been that you have room for whatever is really, really important to you. So if there were a first day kind of guy, if they, um, you know, if they thought that there was there was somebody out there that they had to go sign, whether it was Byron Jones of the Cowboys or somebody of that layer, and they're uh, and they're looking to, they think that's that'll make the difference in in the defense they played last year and the defense they played this year. Then there are ways from an accounting and salary cap perspective that they could do it, but. In terms of the probably the number of spots they need to fill uh, at different parts of their roster and the intent that they appear to have of really freshening up uh, multiple positions, especially defensively, I don't know that I see a big splash coming just from a you know where they stand uh, perspective. But if they were to be able to do a Cousins extension and create more. Uh, sour cap space, then, then maybe that changes the uh, equation. But right now, at least, from a uh, you know step away, it doesn't appear as though they're equipped. So in some ways, Kevin, I think it might save them from themselves because they are a team that likes to bring in players when they have the money, like Riley Reef. they spent big on, and that one has been yeah, okay. Like, he's been an average left tackle over the past few years. That's probably what you thought you were overpaying for at the time. But I just pulled yeah. up a free agent tracker from 2018 that's showing Uh-oh. me where everybody signed, and you know exactly how this turned out. Like, Tremaine Johnson, huge deal with the Jets. That one goes bust. Nate Solder has not been any good. Of course, Case Keenum was a prize for the uh, Broncos, at that time, Malcolm Butler to Tennessee has been, what, okay, maybe. Um, Jimmy Graham, that one kind of goes bust. Allen Robinson has worked out pretty well for the Bears. But, I'm, I mean, Muhammad Wilkerson, remember we were talking about that? Is, oh, you got to watch out for the Packers. They've got Muhammad Wilkerson now. I mean, yeah. a lot of times these big moves where people spend a lot of money, um, there's a reason why other teams let those guys go, and it oftentimes blows up in their face. So it, it's usually that day four, day five of free agency move that doesn't get a whole lot of run on you know Sports Center or whatever that turns out to be the one that sometimes works out the best. And I think the Vikings should be really focused on those because they just have so many spots to fill. Yeah, the hit-or-miss ratio of free agency, really going back to the start of free agency, when you measure the, the highest uh, paid deals of any given year is not are not high. I mean, there's there's some good ones out there, and you think of in the big picture the Reggie Whites and the Brian Dawkins. I think going to Denver, and you know, there's uh, there's Chris Long uh, you know, a little more recently. There's there's some guys who have been p- paid pretty decently at at uh, as they've aged and still contributed, 
you know, remarkably to really good or Super Bowl uh, uh, talent, uh, Super Bowl winning teams. And so there, there are success stories, but, um, and we say it every year, uh, the, the, uh, the frequency of those are not nearly as high as the frequency of either the bus or the sort of just toe the line, like a Riley reef. Um, you know, he's been a contributing member to a team that's been to the playoffs, but is he one of the, you know, when he was signed, he was a top probably 10 left tackle in terms of payment. Uh, has he played like a top 10 left tackle over the course of his career? Probably not. Um, so that you had, that's the sort of the cost and the tax of free agency. And so, I think I agree with you. I, I think that sometimes not having enough space forces you to, to to look elsewhere and more economically and and maybe more intelligently at other ways to build up your roster. If it was up to you, Kevin Seifert, would you give uh, Kirk Cousins a contract extension in order to kick the salary cap can and cash down the road, or would you go into year three and say it could help us cap wise, but we don't necessarily want to. Uh, be stuck with Cousins, and so we're going to see how 2020 turns out, certainly. But after that, make the decision. No, I think they should make a decision now, um, first of all. They've had him for two years. They should know what he is and what he isn't uh, and whether they think they can win with him, the Super Bowl with him or not. I mean, and, and there could be you know reasonable debate on both sides of that. And if the decision is that they're going to move on, then um, – you know, I don't want to say like they they should look to or they, they're not going to resign him. Then then I'm not going to say they should trade him now, but they should at least make that decision and 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 go um, and go forward with it. If they if they have decided after two years that they think that he's their guy and that he can win them a Super Bowl, then they should do whatever it takes to to resign him now because it's only going to be probably more expensive next year unless he totally flops, in which case you were really wrong on your assessment and you might not have your job uh, after that year anyway. So I guess I, assuming that you know, I've gotten no sense that they've soured on him or that they think that last year was Mirage or anything like that, so assuming that they think that he's gonna, they want him to be their starter uh, you know, moving beyond uh, the, the season, the 2020 season, then I think that they need to get to work, and I'm sure they are and do everything they can to extend them, not just for salary cap reasons, but for economic reasons as well. I mean, if if they wait till next year, he'll have more leverage and, and it'll only be more expensive. Do you have any type of feel how much the CBA negotiations and potential for a 17th game would impact these negotiations? Or, like, could they be waiting until the players approve a CBA? And if they have 17 games, then if you're Kirk, of course, your price is, I would guess going up quite a bit or that there are, I don't know, escalators in there or however these things work. Has that been a conversation around the NFL of waiting to sign contracts until we know if there are going to be 17 games in this huge influx of cash that's on its way? Because I feel like from if I was Kirk, I would be saying, let's just hold on and wait and see yeah. see that and also maybe see what Patrick Mahomes signs for. Yep, and uh, you know maybe the Mahomes part is a little bit more of a traditional negotiating thing. You always want to know what the next guy is going to be, and you eventually have to pull the trigger at some point. But I think not only Kirk Cousins, but you know there hasn't been a lot of news in terms of people getting contract extensions, uh, big contract extensions in these days leading up to free agency. And the CBA is why. And if you're a player, you're and you're smart, you're giving them an impossibly big number right now under the current cap, um, and then. You know, in anticipation of there being a lot more cash, um, 
when when the, when this CBA is approved, if it's approved, and if it's not, it's eventually going to get to a point where you know they they have to they extend it after after this season, and so you'll eventually get to a point where there's probably going to be more money flowing then towards players than than there is now, and so there's every reason for him to sit tight at this point. But again, that period is coming to an end pretty quickly, and we're going to know one way or the other. And then movement can potentially start to happen. Two-part question. One, do, do you think that the CBA gets approved by the players in the next uh, few days as they vote? And two, do you think that the owners were uh, just trying to use scare tactics? Or do you think if it is not approved that they really would come back with a worse deal, which is the only way that I could see that, that we have a strike-slash-lockout down the road, Kevin? Well, initially I wasn't necessarily convinced that they were. this was – you know, really, truly, the best deal that uh, they were gonna they were gonna give that the owners were gonna give, and that if they if the if it got shot down, that the next one would automatically be worse. And you know that that felt like a traditional sort of negotiating standpoint. There's some people who insist that it really is. You know, there's owners who are like, now you know, I am not going a step further here. This is the best I'm doing. But I, now, um, and a lot's changed since since things went to vote in terms of the, the national economic picture and. Um, not just the stock market going way down, but just a lot of indicators that are suggesting that there's some tough economic times to come. And if that's true, then, you know, revenue projections go in a different direction. You know, that your television partners maybe don't have as much uh, to offer. There's all kinds of things that really could be different as a result of this sudden economic situation the country is in. So now, I think that, you know, and, and it's been interesting to hear reports of players wanting to change their votes and you wonder which way they want to change them to. And are they being advised now that the economic situation has changed so much that they should jump on this deal while they, while they get a chance because it really would be worse if they didn't or if that's just coincidence. But it sure seems that, like, the landscape has changed a lot and that if they do um, uh, vote to turn it down, that it, they might struggle to get back, even get back to the same deal that they originally had. Yeah, it does feel like uh, maybe it's just my sense of it from following some players on Twitter and who gets retweeted, but it does feel like it's sort of edging toward more players are coming out and tweeting their explanations for why they do want it than ones that they don't. I mean, do you do you have any sense of where that stands? Yeah, I, I mean, the, I think it's – we. I have a hard time, like, Twitter counting and, and thinking that, that that's representative. You know, it, right, it's yeah. probably no more representative of what the overall players think than Twitter is of the overall country's ref, you <laughs> know, reflections or belief on any topic, sports or otherwise. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, there's a small p- amount of people who are on Twitter relative to the population, and there's a small amount of players relative to the total 2,500 or so that are eligible to vote for this. Um, that are tweeting their their pros or cons out. So I I don't I think you know everyone you talk to thinks it's really a fifty fifty likelihood that you know whether it's going to get passed or not. And I know that sounds like a cop out, but there's everyone has heard from the p- extreme people on either side, which is not unusual in any kind of voting situation. But there's really that the majority middle of guys that are you know silent and maybe. You know, we don't even know if they're going to vote. You know, just it's all kind of electronic, and you have to hope that they, the people, you know, go in and and do the voting. And so, 
if there's 2,500 eligible and only the extremes are voting, then who knows where it's going to go, you know, and who knows what those people in the middle really think about it and uh, if they do vote. So that's why everybody's really kind of on edge that they feel like it's a, you know, you know, the NFLPA leadership feels strongly about it or else they wouldn't have recommended, you know, signing it. But um, I think people are pretty on edge and really want to see what the final result's going to be. Kevin, before we let you go, I have to ask about the XFL. Is it done? Okay. Is it dead? Is it coming back? Yeah. Will, it, will it ever return? Will I ever see my Houston Roughnecks again? Well, uh, the head coach of the Houston Roughnecks, June Jones, is already on record saying he thinks they should go to the White House because they finished 5-0. and They were the pseudo-champions uh, pseudo of the XFL, so he's expecting a White House invitation. Uh, he had a, a funny video about that. Um, you know, I, I have always felt like they've been on a long-term um, uh, curve. I mean, they spent two years in, you know, quote-unquote product development. So they that's two years put into it. And so to kill it after a half a season would not seem, you know, likely and would not reflect the amount of money they've already invested. So, you know, I, nothing's for certain. But I, as far as I know, they have every intention of, of continuing on. Um, they're paying their players through the rest of the season, um, and and they've given the stars that emerged out of those first five weeks the chance to sign now with NFL teams if they want, instead of having to wait till uh, the pseudo end, you know what the end was going to be for the XFL. So I have every reason to think right now that it'll be back in 2021. I don't know that we saw proof that it can work on a long term basis over those five games, but I also don't think that given the investment that they made, that they're prepared to um, to trash it after half a season. You know, my one suggestion, if Vince McMahon or Oliver Luck call, which uh, or they could podcast the show, my one sure. suggestion is that they should try to get more P.J. Walkers. Like, look for yeah. quarterbacks who never got their shot, but are really good athletes, guys who came out of college who they tried to make into wide receivers or something but wanted mm-hmm. to go to the XFL instead. The Matt McGloins were just dreadful yeah. to watch in this league. But if you have really great athlete quarterbacks, if Tyson Hill or whatever, the version of him became a quarterback in the XFL and you saw teams putting up 30, 40 points all the time because of that, it might get the interest because you might think, hey, maybe our XFL quarterback could be super fun to watch and then end up in the NFL. Yeah, and they, I think they had the critique of the game right, which was, the entire quality of play, well, not the entire, but the majority perception of the quality of the play in the league is going to depend on the quality of the quarterbacks. And so they really, I mean, whether they made the right decisions on them, they, they really prioritized from their, whether it was payroll or just their initial negotiations with people, getting at least one, you know, above average, at least for their league, quarterback per team. Mm-hmm. And they missed on a few, you know, like McGloin was one of them. Uh, Landry Jones, I'm not sure, you know, he'd had some good numbers, but you watched him and he looked like he was, you know, a little bit too old to be out there. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the PJ walkers of the world are out there. Uh, and I asked, you know, I asked Oliver Luck about it a couple of weeks ago, the last time I talked to him and he said, he, you know, it could, they made it a priority. Um, and every, you know, quarterbacks are not easy to find. I mean, you're not going to have a hundred percent, uh, you know, hit list, whether you're the NFL or any other league. And, um, but they will continue to make that priority because I think if nothing else, that league proved how much a quarterback 
can affect quality of play and thus the perception of the entire league. Um, relative to the other players. Yeah, I thought when you watch the good games with the good quarterbacks that there was a high entertainment value, and I like some of the things they did, and I hope it comes back. And I also hope that you come back again soon, Kevin. Thanks for... Uh, <laughs> nice segue. Yeah, thank you. I'm a professional. Um, so yeah. they, uh, I, I really appreciate your time and, and good breakdown, and uh, stay coronavirus-less if you can. <laughs> we'll do our best. <laughs> All right, thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Yep, see yep. Kevin Seifert there, ESPN. Um, real quick on the XFL. I also think that if uh, they put a little more effort and investment into making like a weekly XFL type of show, like a dramatic type of... XFL films? XFL films, sort of mm-hmm. behind the scenes of the XFL. They have the resources to make it amazing. And I've been watching on Netflix... The uh, show Cheer. Have you ever heard of the show Cheer? No. It follows around. It's a documentary crew that's following around the number one cheerleading squad in the nation. That is a small junior college in Texas. Okay. And they every year go to this huge competition in Daytona Beach. And they usually win, but they have a rival that's really good, too. And the behind-the-scenes stuff. This is cheerleading, okay? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't care about cheerleading in general. I have seen the competition before, but it's not something I follow closely. Uh, It's amazing. It's super dramatic. It's incredibly in-depth. It's with the coach and the players, and you learn about the players. And I want to know how this turns out. It's, so it's, I think it's already happened to the competition that they would have been in. Basically but for uh for cheerleading, cheerleading yes. squad. It's so dramatic, it's so raw, it's so good. What hard knocks became was very sterile. Very much right, like but it started off a house of fire. Yeah, exactly. It's a great idea. Exactly. And that's how this cheer documentary is or yep. documentary series. If they did the same thing with hard knocks yep. where it was or with XFL knocks and they went behind the scenes and really gave you the real deal of football. Right. I think people would be interested. That would be the other way I would go, other than let's put some athletes at quarterback to make this thing fun. The key thing, I I think, in the type of show that you're talking about, is to find one or two people as well who are really flamboyant and fun. Yeah. Because Hard Knocks was fun. Why? Zimmer in Cincinnati was great. Boudreaux on on the uh, hockey equivalent of the Winter Classic show, right? So if you can find one or two coaches who's just a total character... That can make the whole thing. Yeah. Same for quarterbacks or players. And in football, there's just a never-ending supply of them. It's how much do you want to show them. And with hard knocks really sanitizing the thing and you know sort of what I don't get it down, it's not as good. What I don't get about leagues like um, the XFL, and the XFL is not completely guilty of this, but they are in a few cases. Why do they ever play in big stadiums? Yeah. Like the soccer stadium idea I like, yep. but I've never understood why these leagues that are upstarts that – it, they're up against it financially from day one. Why they're going into National Football League stadiums? I think one thing that they have going for them with the XFL is financially they're not up against it. That the guy who is the main investor is worth so much dang money sure. that even if he loses $100 million in the first year, which would have taken the AAF and shot it into the sun and disintegrated it forever, which is basically what happened. Mm-hmm. But in this case... It's okay to lose money to try and build this thing. And I actually thought they got off to a good start. It was clearly fading in terms of fan interest. Which is what all those leagues do. Every time. It starts out high and then it drifts Week one, slow. AAF. And that's that's my point, though. If you stick with it, though, yeah, and it's coming back year after year, 
and we see some players go from there into the NFL Mm -hmm. that you might have a little bit more consistent interest. And if you can count on consistent interest, then you can have a TV deal. They have the deals now, which read to me basically like, yeah, we'll put you on the air, but we're not going to pay you huge dollars to have it. And that's the point of of going into smaller stadiums then so that the cost of putting on, of turning on the lights for the game is not that much. Correct. Yeah. And I think the AAF really hurt itself. So did the UFL that way. The one thing those guys don't want to do is go from a starting point of year one, huge financial losses. Mm -hmm. I think they expect to lose. It's just the price tag. And if you take a bath, which we, all these leagues start off week one, ratings through the roof, football is still on, and then to your point, they start to see the product and oftentimes the quarterbacks and say, oh, okay, I'm out now. But if you're playing in a smaller stadium where it doesn't cost that much to play the games and they're telecast, I think that gives you at least a fighting chance to get your product some footing. Because that's the problem, right? Week one is great, and then it sort of goes downhill and your footing disappears. Yep. Yep. That's right. And then you don't have the ratings, and then everyone starts talking about how you don't have the ratings. Right. And it's weird that that matters to some people in terms of whether they watch it, but there's a psychological effect of people thinking, eh, nobody cares about the XFL, so I'm not going to bother. Not, I love it, so I'm going to watch no matter how many other people are watching. Absolutely right. There's this, and it works for all sports. Oh, everybody's going to see this player at this place. I guess I should go too. And um, it's you know a fun part of sports is getting behind things that get randomly and suddenly popular. Mm-hmm. But usually it's the opposite effect for the XFL. So I hope it works out that they do stabilize next year. The football was very good overall, too good at some positions on defense, which made it hard for offenses. But if you watched any of the Houston Roughnecks play, and I know I'm like deep in the weeds here, and we've got other things to talk about, or um, a shirt? No, I didn't buy any gear. But uh, if you if you watched PJ Walker play, it was super fun. I heard it was was really good. I I didn't watch him play, but I heard it was great. I guarantee you, he's on an NFL roster in training camp. PJ Walker will be for sure. That he's going to be somebody's backup because of the way he played. So we'll see how it Kirk works. Kirk Cousins out. maybe? But uh but I mean I would advocate it. I don't think he's a Cousins like Kirk quarterback. Cousins wouldn't like that. No, though. I don't think so. Too much competition a for a guy him. that's too fun. I don't think he cares about that. Kirk I thought the Vikings purposely didn't sign a CFL guy because they they were afraid because no, 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 the no, guy No, no, no. no. That, that's not true no, now. You've got that backwards. What happened was the CFL guy went in and told Spielman that he was going to compete yeah. with Kirk. Yeah. I well, like that. Well, so he went. Well, of course, I like the you're, bravado. But you're not, though. You're not going right, to. But I want. But I want you to think job. But I want you to think that yeah, you're going well, to. But that would be like going. I'd say yes. That would be like going into a grocery store or something, and you. They say like, uh, okay, you're qualified to be the guy who pushes the carts. I'd you're say like, no. I want to cut the meat. You're going to be like, no. It's more like saying I'm going to be the CEO of the company. I'm like, yeah, this isn't a job application for the CEO of the company. Head cashier. <laughs> That's what I want. I want the head cashier job right now. All right, let's take a break. When we come back. The Vikings suddenly have cap space. How will we spend it? Let's discuss further when we return here on Purple Daily. More new deep dives are available on Minnesota Sports Rewind, including two new episodes on the Johan Santana trade in the craziest season in Vikings history. Minnesota Sports Rewind available right now on the Score North app, Apple, and Spotify. 
Jonathan here with the Score North download. You are listening to Score North on AM 1500 and the free Score North mobile app. Plenty of coronavirus-related cancellations, not just locally but nationally as well. Those include all NCAA championships have been canceled, including the NCAA tournament and NCAA wrestling championship at U.S. Bank Stadium. MLB suspending all operations for including delaying the start of their season by at least two weeks. The NBA, NHL, and MLS suspended their seasons. More local level, ML, or the Minnesota State High School League has canceled the girls' and boys' basketball tournaments, and the U of M has canceled all in-person classes across all five campuses starting Monday. For a complete list, please visit scorenorth.com. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad here for another half hour. Judd flying in from Florida to do the show this morning, Ventline. Yeah. To come on this show and then two more hours. It's just uh, some typical Zolgad giving 110% here today. Pushing through. Uh, Judd, the 2013 draft, now the door is officially closed. No 2013 draft picks remain on the Minnesota Vikings roster with Xavier Rhodes being released today. 2013 draft. Is that a home run, a double, a single, triple for uh, the Vikings with the three first-round picks and the trades, and you get Sharif Floyd, Xavier Rhodes, and Cordell Patterson? Or is it a draft of what could have been? Boy, in some cases, what could have been, definitely. But Rhodes is a home run pick. Cornerbacks, really good guys that turn into top, well, at one point in time, probably top three. Uh, but cornerbacks who turn out as well as Rhodes did for quite a while, obviously 2019 not included, is a home run. Sharif Floyd is a what might have been. Yeah. Because I think if Sharif Floyd doesn't get hurt, I think he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. And Cordero is probably, in retrospect, not a great first-round pick, but a definite missed opportunity by a coaching staff that got frustrated by the fact he couldn't run routes, but was sitting on a marvelous athlete who, if I think you had opened your mind up and been like, okay, he can't really run routes, but what else can he do? Uh, Could have been a very productive player, and I don't think he was a bad guy, so I don't think he caused you, unless I'm wrong, I don't think he caused you a ton of problems. I think he was liked. Uh, But I I cannot say that all three picks put together in a stew are a home run, but I do think that it's a really interesting draft, and two-thirds of it certainly could have been really good if one guy hadn't got hurt. And the Patterson thing is uh, what might have been if you had just said, all right, Cordell, you can't run routes, but you can line up in the backfield here, and you can do this there, and been a little bit more open-minded with the fact that he could have been a multi-positional player. So if you get two elite years out of a player, and then a horrendous year, does it make it a home run pick if you have to cut him and eat dead cap money before the guy even, I don't think he's turned 30. So on before road, the mean? guy turns 30? On roads? Yeah. Yes, because home run because, pick? yes, because for the period he was good, he was great. I don't think it's a home run pick if he had just been solid. But Matthew, I have seen, and you've seen now, but predating you getting here, I have covered Vikings teams that don't have cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. Winfield was a marvelous slot corner, but I'm talking outside corners. Uh, I have seen Vikings teams reaching in the third round for them, desperately trying to find them, and just be plain awful. (laughs) And Rhodes was so good, and it it was brief, I get that, 
but he was so good for the time period that he was good. Now there is a case to be made that the Vikings should have gone Belichick on him after 2018 and said, you know what, that's it probably. Like we can see the decline and it's coming and you're going off the cliff, which he did in 2019. But in my estimation, it's a home run when you move into, for a time period, what I considered probably to be top three in an entire league at your position. Yeah. That makes sense? The way that we'll probably look at Xavier Rhodes is if he hadn't accumulated all of those injuries, he also took a few years to get where he was. I mean, 2014, 2015, he's developing. But Mike developed him then. Yeah. So you get two years where he's more or less an average corner, those Mm -hmm. 2014, 2015. 2016, 2017, he's one of the best in the entire NFL. Mm -hmm. And then 2018, he's mediocre 2019 he's flat out poor i think it's i think it's like a double i I don't know if that's a home run to me he was so good when he was good and and the thing is maybe i'm being too harsh on that the marriage the marriage of xavier and mike to me sort of if we eventually go back and talk about zim's time here the marriage of those two illustrates what zimmer's absolute strength was because he took this guy who was talented and pretty and good, not great by any means, but he was good playing on a bad defense, and he made him great for a time period. And that was the first guy that I said, whoa, defensive back-wise, cornerback-wise, this coach is really talented. And I'll always go back to the, the first training camp that Mike was here and the fact that he spent so, it seemed like at least, he spent so many of those practices in Xavier Rhodes' back pocket, literally, working with him and teaching him and turned him into this player who became special. I have a hard time not giving the Vikings and and Mike a ton of credit for that whole thing. And Rhodes, if Rhodes had become, let's say he became a top 15 guy, I'd be like, yeah, double, maybe triple. But that 2017 season, he faced, and I, I recall you did a column on this, he faced that litany of just top flight wide receivers and it got to the point where quarterbacks weren't throwing at him. And he was shutting down top guys because they wouldn't throw at him. That is to that is the special part of what Rhodes became. And I know the end was awful, and it was awful. Mm-hmm. But if you put that aside for just one second, this was a truly special player. And this has been a team at times that has been starved for even decent cornerback players. Yeah, you're right about that. I, I could be sold on it being a home run pick. I mean, he walks away with... Three Pro Bowls should have been two. This year he makes the Pro yeah, Bowl. I don't, I, the Pro uh, Bowls are a joke. Don't yeah. really know how that happened. Ten interceptions. Uh, was always harsher criticized by Pro Football Focus. The PFF numbers do not suggest that he was one of the best cornerbacks in the league at any point. Hmm. And the reason for that is because he was penalized so often that the quarterback rating against in 2000. 16, I think it was top three in the league. And in 2017, despite facing all those great receivers, he was incredibly good. And it was somewhere in the range of, I don't know, a 60 or 70 quarterback rating. So just great in terms of the numbers throwing at him. Mm-hmm. But the penalties were always really costly. Yeah. And and I kind of want to find a balance in my opinion on that. Because having watched it in play, nine or ten penalties over a year is going to hurt you for sure. But... When you go against Julio Jones and you handle yourself and Mike Evans and Antonio Brown and Devontae Adams, I think might have been maybe the only guy who got him. But 
even then didn't crush him then. I think got him a little later in his career. But you go against just a bunch of elite wide receivers, and you come away with such great numbers of slowing them down and so few targets against. It's hard for me to say, yeah, but he was just okay. Like He was better right. than okay. Right. But the penalties always hurt, and there was always a a time or two where there was a little bit of a meltdown and maybe a little bit of a penalty that really shouldn't have been taken that was taken because he was frustrated. And I looked at him as being a very, very good player for about a four-year period and maybe got a little too much credit when you consider the entire picture with the fact that they were pressuring quarterbacks like crazy, which always helps. Mm-hmm. I, it makes, oh, it's good defense, yeah. It makes corners look better to have Harrison Smith. But when he was islanding, yeah. that was when they were a number 1 defense. It also helped that quarterback play that year was not good, that he didn't face Aaron Rodgers two times because they hurt Aaron Rodgers, like right, uh, you know, second drive or first drive uh, against him when they played against Green Bay in 2017. So, mm-hmm. you know, that you have to kind of factor all those different things into it. And I look at it as maybe a triple, a really good draft pick that worked out. And for a period of time, the guy was excellent, but not like a Harrison Smith level, consistent, great superstar through the whole time. Here's what influences me when it comes to the conversation on roads. And I'll give you four names. Cedric Griffin, <laughs> Asher Allen, Marcus McCauley, Josh Robinson. Fair enough. And no, but I'm dead serious. Yeah. I watched those guys play, and I thought to myself, if you don't have a decent corner, you're just sunk. You're just in this league. And the thing with Rhodes is, and and this is just off the top of my head here, so I might be wrong. It felt like he started playing and was handsy and got a lot of flags early in his career. That he almost got a respect for a certain period of time where they they like, okay, that's how he plays and he's really good. It felt like, and I might be wrong, the flags dissipated a little bit. And then the last couple of years, and certainly 2019, it felt like they went back out because he had so clearly declined. I think a little bit. Um, but that's just recollection. I, I, I'm pulling it up right now. I, there was a little bit because this year he didn't take as many snaps as he normally would have because he was semi-benched. Uh, became part of a rotation, which is you know not a full benching, but mostly he had ten penalties this year, and he only played nine hundred and eight snaps. This year was awful. So he had no, yeah. he had nine and over a thousand snaps in two thousand seventeen. So so the rate was different, mm-hmm. but every year it was a lot. Every year it was toward the top, ten, twelve, eleven, nine, nine, ten. So. It it, okay. hurt, it hurts him overall. He was a very good player. He's a very good tackler. He was good against the run. But I think maybe we overrate him overall. His highest PFF grade was only a 73.8 wow. in 2016. Really? Because I think it's because the penalties were really, okay. really hurting him. Um, How, if, if, uh, if Rhodes hadn't been on this team and Trey Waynes was drafted in the first round like he was, and let's say there was a... Average to below average corner opposite Trey Waynes. And Trey Waynes then was the de facto star cornerback on this team. What's Trey Waynes' career look like right now, do you think? I don't think he'd be getting as much money in free agency. I now expect him to get quite a bit as an average corner. And people will look at the athleticism and say, oh, if we just do this with him, if we just tell him to get his head around like Mike Zimmer has been telling him the entire time he's been here, then... uh He'll probably get overpaid. He'll be one of those guys that makes $15 million and we all go, oh, really? 
but it's probably not great. He might be a bust, maybe not a complete bust because he's a good tackler and does have unreal athleticism and can track receivers. But that 2017 season when Rhodes was islanding those corners, there's a domino effect to that on defense, and it's very rare. You just don't see it very often. Everyone wants their Jarrell Revis, but teams will probably tell you, you just don't really find it. So we can't do that. We have to play you know, certain types of defense. You can't just roll your coverage to the other side every time and leave that guy all alone because he'll get toasted by the league's best wide receivers. The value in him doing that for that one season was extremely high and helped Trey Waynes. I don't know how much different it is. Probably not. He's probably not quite as good. If he had had to track all the number one receivers, he probably would have struggled. Um, but he still comes out as, as kind of average, uh, Trey Waynes. And both of those first-round picks to me worked out. Rhodes gets more credit by a lot, but I'm not sure that it was so much better that the way we look at it because of some of those quarterback rating stats. We might overdo it a little bit. Um, so I look at it as it was a really good draft pick, and then the other two are what could have been, Shreve mm-hmm. Floyd and, and Cordero Patterson. Mm-hmm. So, Judd, you now have $18.6 million of cap space and probably a little bit of change left over from Everson Griffin. What are you doing with it? Let's say you have 19 mil. What do you want to do with it? You've got all this First cash. of all, that's not that much, really. You're thro- I mean, it's decent. You're throwing cap space up in yeah. the air and dancing. You filled a Am I restructuring the quarterback space? or no? Am I restructuring the quarterback? You have a storage unit that has a block just of cap space. Breaking Bad reference? Anybody? Okay. 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 All right. No, it's good. It's good. Just answer the question. That's a good reference. All right. I am probably... <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. I am probably... Because that's not a ton. It's not bad. It's not a ton. I'm probably going to be waiting until day three of free agency... Uh, because I don't think I'm going to get the top-level splash guys on day one. That's my feeling. And those guys are going to get paid. And if I'm wrong, God help me. So with that, I am going to probably be waiting for or have to wait for, let's say, day three. Uh, and I am addressing the offensive line. Here's here's what I would tell Mike as far as the cornerbacks go. Unless we've been to- Unless you were told by the doctors that Mike Hughes can't play, okay? Broke his back, basically, which is a big deal. And if I'm told, hey, Mike Hughes is not going to be set for the start of the 2020 season, and it might be weeks or might be months, then it changes. But if Mike Hughes, as Zimmer said at the end of the season, can play starting in training camp, I'm telling Mike, you need to develop Mike Hughes. Mike Hughes has to play. Um, You've got some young corners. Does that mean that we won't sign one? No, it doesn't. We might sign a corner. But I am still going to be spending a nice chunk of change on an offensive lineman. I have to. I have to do that finally. I don't think there's a choice. Elf line is, as we talked about, unplayable at left guard, right? Yes. Do we 100%. agree that? Oh, yeah. Okay. He's a below, Ideal, below average player. Ideally, I'm finding a way either by um, trade or by free agency to try and bring in a left tackle. That's difficult. I understand that. But, I, but my exploration of the market has to include, I think, first, offensive line help. I can't I can't keep doing this. And you know what? I think if I make the right move, I think if I make one right move, the domino effect makes my line okay. Not great, but okay. So here's the issue with trying to sign an offensive lineman, though. Hmm? The top offensive linemen are usually pretty good, but often blow up in your face. Um, <laughs> our friend Alex Boone. Hopefully round two of him being a free agent works out better than round one. Yeah. 
that one blew up in their face for the most part. They got a year of decent play, and then they were forced to cut him. Uh, then you look at what happened in Detroit just now with um, Rick Wagner. He is cut after, what, two years after being signed or three years after being signed? Didn't really perform very well in Detroit. Andrew Norwell, remember how big of a name he was? Oh, he's that big mauler guard. You just got to get yourself an Andrew Norwell. Yep. What's what's it done for Jacksonville? And he faded, as they usually do when you spend huge dollars on the offensive lineman. So if you, you're not pouring $15 million into a guard because it will probably blow up in your face, and you don't have that much money anyway. So then what do you look for? You go down the list, down the list, down the list. Who can I afford? Who can I? Oh, Tom Compton yeah, and this or Tom. Josh Klein. But if you're asking me where I'm starting, I'm starting in that swimming pool. I'm not starting in, well, and, and first of all, if I try and sign a, cor- a cornerback, it's going to cost me a ton, too. Uh-huh. Free agency is inherently, at times, going to blow up in your face. That's the problem with it. But if you're asking me, if I have a shopping list, if I'm going to the football grocery store and I have a shopping list, I at least have to give myself an opportunity on the O line for to look in that section. If if that's produce, I got to go to produce first. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree. I'm not saying I'm going to be right, and I'm not saying it's going to work. Have you ever heard of Greg Van Rotten? Is it Roten? <laughs> Let's just stick with Van Rotten. Let's stick with Van Rotten. Amazing name. Let's stick with Van Rotten. That's far more fun. Yes. No, no, I have not, but I have now, and I enjoyed An it. Offensive lineman named Van Rotten. Who do you play for? Plays for the Carolina Panthers. He's 30 years old. Okay, he's not a kid. I saw a report that Mr. Van Rotten. It's a great name. I, it really I is. I don't care if it's Van Rotten. It's he's, a, he's a guy who played for Carolina, like a starter, yep. and down the list of someone who you would not have to pay top dollars. Not right. Brandon Scherf, and he's not... Um, Who's the other guy that's a big name on uh, uh, Joe Thune? He's not those guys. Those are the top pay guys. Um, Thune is from New England. He was great. He's going to make a ton of money. Yep. So you can't afford him. Okay. So you are looking at Mr. Van Rotten. Mr. Van Rotten was ranked as the 22nd best guard um, and one of the worst run blockers in the NFL last year, a decent pass blocker. And he is projected to make somewhere between eight and ten million. Yeah, thirty years old, who ranked twenty. So what's your answer? My point is that. So what? If you've got the grocery list, what's your grocery list look like? The only thing you can really do. How about Billy Turner last year? Remember Billy Turner? Yes, he got all that attention. Oh, you got to get Billy Turner. Well, Billy Turner was twenty seventh, tied with Pat Elfline by Pro Football Focus is great. Mm-hmm. So that really didn't work out either. My answer would be. You probably just have to draft one, and you probably can't throw the guy in right away. I was going to say, now you can't, yeah, because you can't go Bradbury again, can you, and watch that disaster? And Garrett Bradbury might be fine eventually. Might be. So you probably have to get someone like Steve Wisniewski, who is just yeah. a old wily ass veteran. One second, too, here. Here, so, so here's what makes this discussion to me right now so intriguing. If you are Zimmer and Spielman, as far as we know, you're going in the last year of your contract. So there's no wiggle room to be wrong here. Be like, well, we'll just draft one and uh, he'll develop. Right. And in 2022, yep. he's going to be great. Yep. This this discussion becomes far more intriguing as long as we think that they are going to be allowed to enter the last year of their contracts. Because everything you do, I don't care what they say, everything they do has to be 2020. 
I know. So and do you go out and make an so, irresponsible? This is why it's so, so hard. So do you go out and make an irresponsible signing? Because if you don't, and you do something for the future, and it blows up, you're fired. Like, do you do something irresponsible? On the offensive side, I would say irresponsible makes a lot more sense than on the defensive side. Because if you overpay Greg Van Rotten, and let's just say that what you need from your left guard is them to be a decent pass blocker, and you can scheme them into being a better run blocker. Let's just say I have not seen Mr. Van Rotten play very much. He played 60% of snaps for the Panthers last year, so I apologize. I've not grinded the tape on this rando. My disappointment on I know. Right now it's, it's so high. I know. So is Jonathan's. It is. We're so disappointed. It is. I'm yeah. sorry, guys. I've let you down. XFL this took a lot just, of my this, time. I can't believe I joined you That's for this no hour. Excuse. The draft simming, it's just been uh, It's been tough. Coronavirus. I bet Courtney's watch film. So, um, But let's just say that the guy gives you a decent-sized improvement over Pat Elfline. Okay. And you pay him way too much to do that, okay. to be a decent-sized improvement. If you feel like you're in the last year of your deal and it helps Kirk Cousins by 4%, then do it. Mm-hmm. Pay the guy. Overpay the guy. Because that that's what's going to determine ultimately whether you end up in the NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl or you end up out of the playoffs is how your quarterback plays. Mm-hmm. You know that a Zimmer defense is not finishing 32nd in points against. You know that it's going to be at worst 12th. 14th, even if you lose a bunch of talent and you don't replace it with star players. You also know that if Cousins doesn't have everything his way right. on offense, that there's a there's a cap on how good of a passing game you can have if everything isn't right. So you probably, if you're going to be irresponsible, yep. you should probably trade a second-round pick for Trent Williams and sign the Van Rotten guy or whatever other offensive well, lineman that's you can not, with your that's cap That's an space. option. You, yeah, the, move, the moves made in the last month are a clear indication to me that the GM is taking some control back of the 53-man roster, right? Unless Griffin comes back. I know that we agree, and the listeners agree, that Xavier Rhodes being released is the right move. Yeah. But when you're, when so far, before free agency starts, when you are looking at Griffin gone, Joseph gone, Rhodes gone... That's not exactly the uh, what, what uh, Zim imagines below the Christmas tree on December 25th. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yep, that's right. So this, to me, is Spielman retaking control of the, of the 53 a little bit and saying, we've got to do things my way to a certain point because, again, we're both in jeopardy of being fired right now. That's right. So Zimmer did say at the Combine that he believes that Cousins can maintain his high level of play, which he did play very well last year overall. He thinks he can maintain it if he has better pass protection. Mm -hmm. So maybe even Zimmer has to acknowledge that if you're doing one thing to improve this team with your $18 million of cap space you just created, it shouldn't be bringing back Everson Griffin for $9 million or something. It should be... To improve the offensive line however much you can and get a number three receiver. Those things can keep them where they are. I don't think they could be much better. I don't think they could be the number one passing offense in the league. Mm -hmm. But I think they could be top ten again, which they were last year in the right metrics, I guess. So, cap space. And don't don't forget, every once in a while, Gary shows up and says we should do this. That's right. That's right. Gary. Gary, Gary will save us all. Free agency week next week. Yes. What virus? Yay! We will be here for you. We'll see you then. 
This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.